You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast with Ellen Toomey, episode number 10. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Today, we have with us a change of pace, a male interview guest, and we're excited to have Jason Schrader with us. Jason is a veteran, a father of three, an agile coach for Fidelity Investments, one of the largest investment management firms in the United States. Jason hails from where every great person hails, the great state of Michigan. And after high school, Jason headed off to the United States Military Academy at West Point. He completed a bachelor's degree there in mechanical engineering. And from West Point, Jason went on to serve in the military as an infantry officer, where among other things, he commanded a company of four teams of instructors, training over 5,000 paratroopers. You heard me right, paratroopers. He then went on to teach as an assistant professor of military science at East Carolina University before entering into the foray of enterprise agile work as the director of agile and R&D program office at ARCA. He furthered his agile knowledge, experience and reach as a principal consultant at Zenergy Technologies before landing at Fidelity, where he serves as a change agent for instilling agile principles across departments including outside of technology. He's a certified team coach, one of the certified Agile coach designations within the Scrum Alliance. And as a guide for Scrum, he helps build teams to execute any work. He also teaches and coaches Agile principles and values, which helps leaders become more responsive, adaptable, and future-proof. Jason, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Ellen. I'm really excited to be here. That's great. We are excited to have you, and I'm going to dive right in yeah. and ask you a question about this whole concept of Agile outside of technology. Can you talk to us about why departments that are not tech departments might want to consider adopting Agile? Yeah, I, I, yeah, certainly. So, you know, it's, it's funny. There's, um, I think there's, there's a quote from, from Stephen Denning that's like, if if Agile had not been invented by a bunch of um, software developers, right, like board short flip-flopware and software developers in, in the late 90s, if it had been published in HBR from the beginning, Harvard Business Review, it would have been mainstream, right? Um, but because it was kind of this obscure thing in technology for, for many years, um, we're only now realizing the business benefits of an Agile approach um, outside, of, outside of the tech space. Um, at, at its very basic core, it's 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 collaborate on on work, deliver incrementally and frequently, getting feedback from your customers and giving your team feedback to improve your process, and then improving. Um, it's it's a very um, straightforward way of thinking about um, how we deliver in a complex world and setting us up to move quickly as our environment changes. Right, no market is stable over time. Um, the world is always in flux and it's getting increasingly more complicated. So um, an Azure approach helps us do that. Cool. And it's, um, you know, to, to kind of add to that, I, I've just, I've 
I do some conference speaking, uh, and uh, one of my like intro things, and it, it's funny you should uh, you spend a little time on my my military background. Uh, thanks for that. Um, but it, it actually is important to me because it it not only because I serve, but it also helps explain um, why Agile is important to me and why I chose this profession and why I find it so important for organizations. Um, I came from years of studying and being um, being a leader in a world of mission command um, and commander's intent, which is this core concept of the decision-making framework for the Army. Um, and so for any mission set, you have a... An, you have a mission for your unit, but you also have this overarching intent. So as your unit goes forth and and executes its plan, which does not survive first contact, right? Just like any business plan does not always um, <laughs> does not always meet. You know this, right? Does not I always meet so the intended yes, market, absolutely. right? And, and customers customers don't even know what they want. Um, you have to have the ability of, of falling back on what is your intent? What was the original purpose and mission? Um, and all the airfield seizures that I was on in the military uh, where you, you jump out of dozens of airplanes in the middle of the night with just your, your pack on your lap and some equipment equipment in front of behind you, um, you have to kind of rally with a, with a small team and move toward the objective, fulfilling that commander's intent, even though your initial plan doesn't always work out that way. Um, so yeah, like decentralized authority, the ability to act within that content, and then the power of small teams, and then just working together effectively um, were, were all parts of my, my military training. And it's so rewarding to be able to transfer that to the business world and help organizations thrive. Mm -hmm. Okay, help us here. You said, I think, airfield seizure? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so, so it's like the bread and butter of a, an airborne units operations. So um, think dozens of aircraft, 64 paratroopers in its belly, middle of the night, fly low over a drop zone um, and like land on it, secure it, seize it is the word, and mm. uh, set up a perimeter and then start bringing in additional aircraft, right? So all your logistics and support comes like the next morning. Um, so we were like the front line of establishing that, establishing that perimeter. Mm -hmm. Cool. Oh, that's that's super. Thank you for that. It's the yeah. way you're talking about it is so you know normal. It's it's definitely outside of the scope of <laughs> most people I come across on a yeah. daily basis. I'm glad you asked. It's been it's been many years, but it's it's always a fun story to tell, especially as it relates to how does that help me in my job today. Right. Absolutely. And before I move on, I do want to say just thank you so much for your service. It's it's, it's for your service, even if it was years ago. I think it's such an important part of. Um, you know, important to acknowledge what you did. And so thank you. I appreciate. Yeah. Um, Thanks for your support. Fighting for our freedom. We always tell our, our kids to, you know, acknowledge soldiers because it's such a, it's, it is such a sacrifice for families. And I know that that played a part in your own journey. And, mm -hmm. and can you tell us, uh, this is so fun for me because I usually interview moms and I get to yeah. interview. So what, what role did fatherhood yeah. Play in your career journey. Super a, excited to hear you. Yeah, you know, a, a big one actually. This. So, so I would I would never have imagined that I would be here today. Um, in terms in terms of professionally, right? So, so I had these grand plans of, of of starting a family fairly young, and uh, you know, two to four kids, and um, finding a lovely life, a lovely wife, which fortunately I did. Um, she's amazing, and she's an amazing mom, and I'm very very lucky. 
Um, but you know, years ago when we started having kids, um, I was still in the army and I was, you know, kind of in this, maybe this started when we first met, but, um, it, it, it's a hard life, right? I mean, you, it's a lot of sacrifices. It's hard for families. Um, and God bless those that stick with it and continue to serve because we need, we need good, um, good people fighting for our freedom and we need a whole ecosystem of families supporting them. So my hat's off to anyone that, that stays with it. Um, but after, but after a lot of de deliberation with my wife, it wasn't for me. Uh, we had had our first kid. Um, we decided that we needed to get out and shift careers. So my, my dream of being an infantry officer for life, um, I had to quickly find how my skills could translate into the business world. Um, and, and after, lots of thinking and exploring and reaching out to mentors, um, like at its core, what do I have? I have an, like an incredible amount of leadership experience. Um, the US Military Academy at West Point is their premier leadership laboratory for the world. It's a, it was amazing. And then to be able to take that experience and actually put it into practice in seven plus years in the army afterwards was great. Um, I learned how to build cross-functional interdisciplinary teams that were solving complex problems all over the world um, and um, that were highly adaptive and highly flexible. So those three things, the, the leadership, the team building, and then just the mindset of like whatever we think we know now is gonna change so rapidly that it's less important about having a plan and less important about um, trying to predict the future than it is just being able to adapt. Um, and so th those three things I, I knew I could um, somehow bring into the business world, and I found myself in, in the way of um, an agile coach. Fabulous. I, I think that's so really fascinating the way you describe it, because if, if we're just to kind of like think of the military in the traditional sense and what we think um, without digging deep, the general, you know, the general thought I, I believe would be like, do what you're told, you know, your constant command. And what I really hear you saying is there, there's a goal, there's an intent, but the, the steps to get there are never going to be precisely laid out is, I mean, is that absolutely, kind of the... yeah. And I, I get that a lot, actually. I get, I get that a lot you, of like, okay. You know, hey, you're tell you're telling me about decentralized authority and and mission command, and I think I get it. But I thought the military was, you know, stand in line and take orders and be told what to do. Um, and, and there is that element, right? Like there is that there is a hierarchy, there is a rank structure. Um, but the way I like to describe it is the the military is the only really effective hierarchy that we have. Businesses often take hierarchy and use it as a way to reduce risk in a way to control and plan um, to where bureaucracy builds up and it actually becomes quite dysfunctional. Um, and that's not all organizations, that's not all businesses, it depends on size and industry and, and, and all of that. But the, um, the policies and the procedures and the framework of mission command um, allows uh, subordinate units and subordinate ranks in the military to operate with very little oversight and then report back, right? There's always the feedback loop. Hey, here's what we're seeing on the ground. Here's what, um, here's how the, the battlefield situation is playing out. And then let's make a decision together collectively so that we can execute and, and achieve our goals. Um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, all that ties into, um, yeah, like what, I, like what I like to consider an effective 
hierarchy. And I like to try to encourage um, organizations to shuck off some of the bureaucracy, shuck off some of the, the risk avoidance and recognize that we can reduce risk by actually being constantly experimental, by constantly inspecting and adapting and creating more feedback loops into our process. It's such a challenge when you when you look at when you look at it in real life, right? Like, I mean, I can speak from my own experiences that no matter how many times I try to project plan, and I consider myself fairly good at project planning. I've done it mm -hmm. so many times. It's it's how long something will take. How how many how many steps did I not include? I yeah. thought this one would take more. I thought this one would take less. I'm constantly doing that with my work, um, you know, with contractors that I put out there. This is the project. Okay, what do we, how do we adjust? How do we adapt? And it, it feels like um, that balance between instruction and goal is is just a really, it's a really hard line to, to kind of figure out. And I, I mean, I know as an Agile coach, you're instructing all the time on, um, well, I assume, do you, do, you, do you do like ethics or do you have sprint goals or do you mm -hmm. have yep. your teams? Okay, and so yep. are you, so how are you instructing your teams to manage the tasks or the autonomy of the tasks in light of that, uh, that ethic or that goal? Yeah, um, around this idea of like, we have to have objective, like we have to have a goal, some sort mm -hmm. of, and, and sometimes it's a moonshot, sometimes it's, it's something we know we can achieve. We have to know we have to know what end we're trying to like begin with the end in mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then we want to measure how we can achieve that goal. We want some key results, like how do we know we've achieved the objective? What are the key results that let us know we'll get there? Um, the military, uh, there was always a, a task and purpose and a mission statement, and then there was a clear end state. So end state, um, relation to the terrain, relation to enemy posture, and relation to friendly posture. Um, so that was kind of the key results, like at, no matter what happens, how do we want to be at the end of this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. by, by dawn the next day, where do we want to be? Um, and so using that, that OKR framework, that helps our, our product owners for our, um, we actually call them squad leads, but our, our product owners for our squads to, okay, how do I need to shape my backlog? How do I need to um, prioritize my work and think about the outcomes that I want my product to achieve, and then set small incremental deliverable things, right? So I take this objective, I determine some initiatives that can help meet that objective, I break that down into an epic and some user stories that we can fit into a sprint, mm -hmm. and each of those user stories delivers us some sort of experiment to help validate if that initiative is getting us toward our objective. So I'm throwing a lot of terms out there, but um, I, I think it's it's this idea of taking a higher picture, breaking it down into small manageable chunks, and working on a little bit at a time, and right. constantly adjusting and seeing if, like, are we hitting our mark or not? Are we headed in the right direction? Right. Uh, yeah, you are you are using a lot of terms, and you mentioned OKRs, objectives and key results. I just put those into my business at the um, start of the year, awesome. which which was, yes, which was um, a lot of how a self-discovery, that was through the instruction of an excellent coach, and, and I already had project planning, so I was doing Agile and doing Rallying Cry, um, mm -hmm. five, five Dysfunctions of a Team. I'm like, do I need another planning tool? But um, yeah. It really, I was like, well, if it's so, for those of you who don't know, you know, OKRs came from, they actually came from Intel and, and 
John Doerr spread the message. I don't know if he was the initiator. Andy, Gr- Andy Grove. Exactly. Andy Grove yeah. started it. At Intel, yep. But then John Doerr took it to Google. He was right, his mentee. Right. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Yes, you got it. Yes. No, you got it. Yes. I was. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty fresh for me, so I should know it. But I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with Agile specifically, and yet it fits so nicely with that. With you know. Well, well what, what's what's great about it, and and why I love, and I and I get it right. It's like one more tool or one more concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's great about it is. Um, it helps us shift from predictive planning to adaptive planning. And that's the big, that's the big mindset shift for Agile, right? So it's, we're not trying to predict the future like we were in Waterfall or with traditional project management. Um, we actually want to establish a goal and then adapt, like take small experiments and adapt our path or our course and constantly ask ourselves, are we closer to our objective? Because the objective might be a moving target. And if you try to plan if you try to plan the trajectory for a moving target, you're never going to hit it. Mm-hmm. So we need that adaptive muscle. Um, and the, I think the OKRs framework helps kind of give us an umbrella to, or like a North Star to look back to. Right. No, I think that's that's a great explanation. If I can, I'd like to dig a little bit into this concept of like Agile and Scrum, right? So we so we dig have away. Agile... Agile methodologies, Scrum principles. I still think that somebody coming into the workforce or just learning about Agile, I struggle to tell people, okay, like what, okay, what are the first three things you should know? But I do feel like Scrum is thrown around a lot um, in exchange with Agile and and that that clarity, I, I just don't see it yet from people in the field or new to the field. Like how do you kind of break those apart and explain? Yeah, no, great, great question. Um, so, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to like keep it to three to five, maybe. Like, what are, what are the five things, right? So, so you know, agile is an adjective, right? It, it, it's synonymous with adaptive, um, responsive, right? It's, it's a way to, des- it's a way to describe something, right? So it describes how we want to behave. It's a mindset. Um, it's essentially from the Agile Manifesto, it's four values, 12 principles, and then there are tons and tons of practices and frameworks and methods, methodologies, people say, that help us be more Agile. Um, Scrum is is just one of them. Um, I think Scrum is a a great building block, it's a great starting point, It's, it's a lightweight project management framework that helps teach us roles and responsibilities and events and just how to collaborate as a team and how to work within a, an iteration, which is just a time box of work. So we deliver something at the end of that iteration and then get feedback. Like Scrum is a beautiful and simple, it's, it's deceptively simple actually, um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's founded on this, this idea of empirical process control. So we Tell are, we are ex- so empirical, meaning experimental, because again, we don't, we can't predict the future. So we do these small experiments. And while we're experimenting, we need some way to control our process. So we need a way to remove some of the variables and control what we can. So we have a stable set of meetings, we have a stable team, right? There's all these elements of controlled variables, fixed variables, um, so that all other things being equal, we know whether or not we're achieving customer outcomes or whether or not we're delivering value. Um, so it's it's process control on an on an empirical basis. 
Um, there's other agile methods out there or other ways to, to, try, um, to try to implement an agile practice. But the best way I think I can describe it is Scrum is a baseline framework that helps you be more agile. And agile is not a goal, right? Like, what is the OKR for agile? I, I, there isn't one, right? You just want to be more adaptive and more responsive than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. That no, that's really. I think that's really good. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that some more and and try to extract maybe even more ways to explain that and and pull it out for my audience because I think that breaking that down, I I don't think that um, that always comes through with Agile, that it's an experimental process, that there is, um, that we're going to try some, that, that like, you know, you talk about mindset, that like, hey, we're going to give it a go. Yeah. And, then, and then we're going to look at what we did wrong yep. and improve it. And that exactly. is okay. But that's like not, you know, that's so, that's a big task because that's not the traditional, um, you know, work, that's not the traditional work environment. Yeah. Like I just yeah. talked talk to someone in, in my community last week. They've been out of the of the workforce for 22. I'm sorry, yesterday. And I just talked that they, they've been out of the workforce for 22 years. And when she was working, that mindset wasn't there. Like, if we go over what you didn't do well, like, that's a slap on the wrist. That's a mm -hmm. negative, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a, a big part of this mindset of understanding that's part of the process. There, there is a lot of, there's a lot of, so there's a lot that goes into not only the organizational, um, I guess like the social elements of how an organization works, right? Like, so, so if you're going to drop Scrum as a framework in an organization, like there's many months, many years of getting used to what this new framework does for us. One, it's going to reveal a bunch of problems because we do retrospectives every two weeks and <laughs> figure out why we can't go faster. Um, but it's also going to start to change the expectations of leaders um, it's going to ask them to be more involved and it's going to ask them to, to define a vision, right? Like a, a, the, the team creates a backlog of work based off of some overarching vision. And I, I think too often we see um, projects running sideways or running off the rails because we thought we knew what we wanted, but then we never talked to a customer. We worked on it for a year or a year <laughs> and a half and we tried to deliver it. The market's changed. The customer doesn't exist anymore. But we're just we're just trying to get this thing done, and it's not about are we delivering value; it's about are we getting it out the door. And I think that's a fool's errand. Yeah, I mean you're now you know now you're speaking my language with you know talking to users and all that crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that's um, who are those people? <laughs> yeah, I think we know them. And I mean that's why you know that's why I started my Facebook group was that I just wanted to be in touch with people who were having the experiences of those I wanted to serve. Yep. all the time. Like I wanted yep. to be able to throw a question in there and say, Hey, I don't, you know, how do I deal with this? And then, and right. the thing that's so funny, it's like, you think, I, I know sometimes when I, in my consulting, I work with organizations and they think that, Hey, let's plan out how we're going to access these users. And it's this big, huge to do. And, and yep. I've been involved with that. And you know what? Like, Just go the ask most, them. Right. For the most part, they want to help. They're like, yeah. hey, I, I have advice on that. I mean, they yeah. want to give you the advice. So it's, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. All that's right. what that's what Agile does for us, right? It, it yeah. I mean, I didn't say it explicitly, but it puts the customer at the center of our work. It is customer-centric. And if you use a product owner as a customer proxy, okay, 
but you've at least done many steps better than having seven layers of bureaucracy and management on you know sales marketing operations like all these all these different ideas of what the customer wants just go ask them i'd like to dig into your day-to-day -day, but before we do that i think that it would really help people if you could clarify the kind of the differences between scrum master and agile coach because um, yeah. I'm, I think that those are terms that are again thrown around, and people are like, "Oh, who you know, who does what?" So maybe talk about that, and then talk about what your what the work that you do as an agile coach. Yep, absolutely. Um, so there's there's several things to answer there. So first, Scrum Master, right? It's one of the three core roles of of the Scrum framework. So in Scrum, you have developer, which is the worker who does the work, who d delivers the product. Um, and that's cross-functional, right? It could be UX, it could be BA, it could be tester, it could be developer, right? Um, it, it's just developer because we want people to be multi-skilled and be able to do a little bit of everything. Then you have a product owner who establishes the vision um, and creates a backlog and describes to the team what they're gonna do and why they're gonna do it. And then the team decides how, right? That's the self-organization piece. And then the third role in Scrum is a Scrum Master who is an expert on the process, who's there to coach the team, who's there to help be a mirror and reflect back, not only are we adhering to the process, but how is our behavior as a team, right? Are we, are we a healthy, agile team? Are we being collaborative? Or are we creating artificial silos based on role? Um, and they're there to just kind of help guide, be a guide for the process and be a guide for the team's success. Um, the you know the scrum master i think it's gets a little bit of flack uh, in the agile community sometimes uh, just because of the word master and um, <laughs> and other things but you know to me it's essentially a team coach like you are you are a permanent member of the team you're embedded there um, and you are you are helping the team become better um, and whether whether you play on that team or not right whether you contribute to the work i think is up for debate different people can be a servant leader in different ways. Sometimes that means getting your hands dirty and pulling out a skill set that you had from before. But I've also seen Scrum Masters be incredibly successful with soft skills. I don't have a technical background, but I'm a Scrum Master for a technical team, and I'm actually able to help them be better humans, like be proper humans at work uh, because of those soft uh, soft skills. Those, um, yeah, the, the humanities background, the, um, the non-technical skills that, um, I think a lot of our um, technology folks don't always have in abundance. So mm -hmm. that can be very helpful. Now an Agile coach, um, it's, it's a little bit about altitude maybe, um, mm -hmm. and a little bit about scope of the organization. So my mm -hmm. definition of an Agile coach is they create an ecosystem for teams to be successful. Now the Scrum Master can help with that. And I, you, you know, every engagement I've had, the fir first person I partner with is a Scrum Master. What are you seeing in your team? What can the organization do to help you? And then bounce back and forth between their team perspective and then the broader organization. Um, so you're often outside the team. You may have multiple teams that you're working with and you balance working with the team, um, helping them, providing coach on their process, but also working with organizations, work, working with leaders in the organization to identify behaviors or systems or policies that are getting in the, the team's way. And there's also this additional layer of, 
of one-on-one -on -one coaching where, you know, part and part of my journey as a coach from, from scrum master to agile coach is getting much better at the one-on-one, -on -one, what we call professional coaching, just doing that, those um, transformational questions, having discrete sessions to help people recognize their own path toward whatever the goal is. Um, if it's being more agile, great. Um, I have some expertise there, but it's really about you and your journey and how I can help you discover your own potential. I think that's, um, I think that's fabulous. I, I bet my, there are people listening right now who are like, what? There are people who will help me be better at my job yeah. at my organization. Like they're, they're all going to, I think Fidelity's site, you know, when this launches, Fidelity's site is going to be overwhelmed. They're like, that's the yeah. best place ever. Yeah. I hope so. Which of course yeah. it is, which of course yeah. it is Yeah, yeah. Uh, for this conversation. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that that again is one of those shifts that's, that are happening, but uh, it's a reality in the workforce that we realize that people aren't machines. Right, that can't yeah. just crank out, crank out more. Yep. How can we support the individual in a way that maximizes potential and effectiveness too? Not yeah. just efficiency, but effectiveness. And I, I'm a big efficiency and big effectiveness over efficiency person. But well, and I think I think what's cool about the role is, I mean, and and I'm, I mean, I'm a full time employee. Lots of agile coaches are are external consultants. It, mm -hmm. it can be good or bad. It, you can be effective either way. But I think what's the beauty of the role is you are neither a leader nor a worker, right? So, so to use your, your humans as machines, Taylorism model mm -hmm. example that we've been fighting with for decades, um, you now have an additional role, and the Scrum Master is in, in some sense too, you have this additional role who's able to step back, see the organization, use, use a systems lens, and recognize some patterns that once removed would help the organization be better, faster, stronger, whatever they're trying to do. Right. Um, and I think it's really awesome. Uh, I mean, it's great for me personally, but I think it's really great to see organizations bring in coaching, whether mm -hmm. it's team coaching, enterprise coaching, professional coaching, recognize that like we don't have all the answers and we want another group of people or single person to come in and help us identify solutions. Right. Right. And I think it's a hard role that, um, you know, mentorship and coaching is desirable and everybody, I mean, who, who doesn't want to be that person, but sometimes if you're running another role, I mean, if you're a manager and you've got a, a department to run, it's hard to be that coach for people. Absolutely. Even if you want to, you, your, your plate can be full. So that's, that's great that it can be kind of a, a more of an external um, role that where you're not totally, you know, bogged down by some of these other day-to-day -day things. Absolutely. So, yep. so speaking of your day to day, you've, you've touched on a couple of things, but let's yeah. dig in a little bit. Like what is a day to day like a, and maybe you don't have a typical day, but what does a day to day look like for an agile coach? Well, so, I mean, before I before I like give you a list, it, that's actually <laughs> one of the things I love about my job, right, is a lot of variety because I do I do touch different parts of the organization. And I do have. So to ask me what one day looks like over another, it's very different. Um, but over time, so some patterns, um, coaching teams, so attending teams, and we use Scrum, so attending teams, Scrum ceremonies or Scrum events, um, observing behaviors, and either giving direct feedback to the team, if it's appropriate, or um, working with the Scrum Master or product owner on the side to say, hey, you know, I observed this behavior, or I'm noticing this, um, or maybe we have a, a coaching relationship, and you said you wanted to work on this, 
how are we doing with it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's the individual coaching at the team level. Um, then there's, like I mentioned, the creating the ecosystem around the team. So that could be anything from um, helping to coordinate and escalate impediments that the team has, uh, whether that's connecting the scrum master to a manager or going to the manager myself and saying, hey, here's this thing. Um, let's have a conversation about it. Um, and then also, you know, working with leaders that, hey, I, you know, I don't know. You had a great example in your in your scenario there. I'm a manager. I'm in I'm in this I'm in this new world. It's 2019. Harvard Business Review and all these other things are telling me I'm supposed to coach my my employees. How when am I going to find time to do that? Like I've been <laughs> managing them like right. So as as an external coach who has some skills in that space, I can actually work with those leaders if that's something they're they're passionate about. Like, let's talk about how you can ask questions differently. Let's talk mm -hmm. about how you can set up time to meet with your employees where you're not drilling them on what they did last week, but asking open-ended questions and helping support them to achieve their goals or identify maybe where their goals are better served elsewhere, right? So that's a, that's a tough thing. Um, and it's nice to have support, you know, when you, if you're a manager trying to work through that journey. Um, and then, so there's this whole element of like, um, so that's all the support, right? I do, that's like right. the big bucket of support. Then there's this like challenge the organization piece, right? So, um, and I don't have the right answer. I don't know what Agile looks like for, I don't know what Agile looks like for where I am now, but my goal is always to challenge the organization to be one step better, like every day. What's, what's one thing I can do to help the broader ecosystem be a little bit more responsive a little bit more adaptive um the, i the term i heard from a peer the other day was harbinger of change i thought it was awesome right so like change is coming mm -hmm. um be the one that's helping to prepare the organization and give them the tools and ability to absorb that change and keep moving right so i, I get to do that challenge a little bit of change management a little bit of of, of nudging and pushing and then I support teams and leaders on their journey. Cool, that's awesome. So what do you like about it? What's your favorite favorite two things? Um, I, think I, I think I said it, right? So variety, get to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Coaching, facilitation, a little bit of teaching, um, you know, lots of, lots of working with teams. I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about Scrum. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for the Scrum Alliance and their work they're doing to transform the world of work. Um, and as, as a certified team coach, I love like using those skills in organizations and, and helping to implement Scrum. Mm -hmm. um, so supporting people as they, as they, you know, yeah. So, so the variety of like coaching through the framework, teaching through the framework, and then, and then um, providing mentorship is, is very valuable. Lots of variety. And then I said it, the supporting, right? So being the person who's, there to coach, to offer advice, um, to be a mentor when asked. Um, it's really amazing. You know, I feel like, and I think a lot of, coach, of agile coaches would agree with this. We have a vision or idea of what's what organizations should be or can be, or mm -hmm. like maybe where where we thought we might be in 2019. And then we constantly find ourselves in organizations that are still behaving like it's it's like I don't know 1962 or. You know, <laughs> oh, so I thought you were saying the 1990s, yeah. the 60s. Whoa. Yeah, you know, there's okay. just there's just a lot of like there's a lot of these remnants of of the the Taylorism. There's a lot of 
hierarchy and bureaucracy and, and um, risk mitigation that um, it's going to take many decades to, to unpack and some organizations are going faster than others. But to be a person to be able to support individuals and teams as they work through that and change their behavior is really rewarding. What don't you like about your job? What don't I like? Um, so I think I think what I'm challenged with, what I find the most challenging, and I don't even want to say it happens often, like in a significant way, um, but it's like here and there, is like a fixed mindset, right? And and this this idea of of like, I don't want to change. I, I don't accept that the world is different than yesterday. I don't accept that it's going to be different tomorrow. <laughs> like, I want to just keep doing, like, whatever whatever I did yesterday or whatever I did for the past two decades to get me where I am now, I am just completely unwilling to change my behavior or be open to new possibilities. Um, and maybe there's, like, a layer of, I just want to ride it out till I can retire. I, I don't know. Um, but there's... Yeah, there's there's always these active resistors, or, and some would even sabotage the efforts <laughs> to help the organization become better, because they got where they are by doing the same thing. Um, so yeah, that's that is always tough. That's always a much harder coaching engagement when you have a lot of people behaving that way. Um, I've been fortunate where I've been that the the, the resistors are a very small fraction, but. I certainly know in some organizations it can be much larger. When you tell people, you know, in your your friend circle and your family, um, what you do, do they understand? I think so. I mean, I think I think the 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 telling the story about um, supporting people through change and helping them be more able to adapt to future challenges and um, embrace new work paradigms. I think that kind of makes sense, especially if, if, if I can pull out an easy example of like, look at your laptop, look at your smartphone, think where those, those think where that technology was even a few years ago mm -hmm. and, and just kind of draw on this, look how fast technology is changing, look how fast the world is changing. I help organizations and people better adapt to all that change. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's an easy way to kind of explain on a, on a, like a, at a meta level, what I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right. If I say like I coach teams on scrum and agile practices, then, then they're lost, right? Then it becomes, right. this, oh, it's all just <laughs> words and you're using buzz lingo. So I try to keep it at a higher level. Um, I help, I help managers become leaders and I help work groups become teams. Right. And then if I need to explain what a real team is or what a real leader is, right, then we can have that discussion. But I think everybody gets it. That's um, that's good. I'm still working on rallying my troops, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it would be great for our audience who so frequently um, a big, uh, this big challenge, whether they're entering tech or leveling up. Yeah. The, the interview. Okay, the interview is this uh, big, you know, and sometimes we forget, I forget, mm -hmm. I forget, uh, even, even though with clients it's like an interview, but I, 
like, can you just give us some insider's hints on if you're interviewing someone for whatever position, you know, what, what's a question or two you'd like to ask? Because I think that they, I think they really appreciate that so much hearing. Wait, just, like what, what I would ask someone yeah, I was hiring? Yeah. Okay. What would you ask someone? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, so, so two come to mind. Okay. Um, so I, and it, this is a playoff, what bugs me, right? Or what do I find frustrating? Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the fixed mindset, yeah. right? So my question is, is about growth mindset. So like how, something like, how do you grow as a person or what's something you've learned lately? Or, you know, um, what are you reading now or watching now? And can you give me, can you give me why it's impactful for you? Just to kind of see like, and what I'm really getting at is, are you, are you learning, right? Are you, are you trying to be better every day or every week than you were before? Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other, the, the other one for me is, um, and I forget where I picked this up, but explain something that you're passionate about and how it works. So you get two things you get, what are you passionate about? Like what, like as, as a human, like forget about what our company does or what our goals are. Right, right, right. Like, is it, is it brewing tea? Is it brewing beer? Is it golf? Is it like whatever, whatever you are passionate about, what is it? And then how it works, can you think through a process from start to finish and put like a systems lens on and understand mm -hmm. input, output, like just kind of, um, yeah, I think to be an effective uh, worker in today's world, you have to have a bit of um, bigger view or bigger insight into how things work and how, like whether you're technical or not, just like how does, what, what drives a process? I think it's a useful question. I love the second one. That's really insightful, and I hadn't thought of it. But the first one is near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to throw it out there um, that Carol Dweck, if you're listening and you podcast. Yeah, I should have given credit where credit you is due. So, yeah. <laughs> no, Thank but you. I think, you know what's so interesting? I just talked to um, a business owner the other day, named her, her company has some growth mindset name. Mm -hmm. She didn't even know Carol Dweck. So, uh, no, I think that what is so amazing, and I actually, I don't know, Carol, I'll ask you if you come on the podcast, yeah, but yeah. I bet that she doesn't even mind that the word growth mindset and fix it, like it's become so ingrained in our culture and, you know, in our generation about just that um, we don't need to have this um, achievement oriented um I mean, mindset, yes, but it can, it, learning is part of every job. And yeah. that's a lot of what I preach too. It's like, it's great to get a certification, but if you think that that's the blessing and then you're done, that's not what the way it works, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not the end game. So yeah. um, I love that you're bringing growth mindset and, you know, the front and center in the interview because it's, you're not going to adapt. I mean, if you can't have a growth mindset, in a, a, the technology space, I mean, really in any work, in any field in the work world, it's, you're not going to last long. It's, it's not, it's not going to be a good fit, you know? Yeah. Technology is changing too fast. Our markets are changing too fast. And just like we, and our customers wants are changing too fast, right. just like we expect our, you know, like we talked a lot about process and scrum and iterate iterative and how we do things in, experimentally to learn from those experiments. We expect our people to be constantly learning as well, whether that's new technology or new process or 
just something at a human level that can help them be better, a better team member. We absolutely want that in our, in our organizations. Let's wrap it up here with this final question. Let's say we have someone in our audience, um, maybe she's a mom, maybe she's at home with her kids, she's ready to return to the workforce, maybe she's in a job that doesn't give her flexibility or isn't meaningful to her or just doesn't pay well, mm -hmm. and she's looking at tech, or it's more specifically looking at agile work like a scrum master or an agile coach, what advice would you give to someone who's looking at that path and, and you know, really trying to consider whether it's right for them or not? What, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, no, great question. So, um, and I'm going to try to not separate tech from agile, right? Because I think, right. I think it's, I mean, I, by the way, we didn't go too much into this, but I found my way, I kind of stumbled into agile coach, right? So I kind of just told this, Rosie's story about like, yeah, military officer, right. you know, and then I'm an agile coach. There was this whole right. journey in between of I landed at a tech company that wanted a project manager and I discovered agile project management. And I tried some experiments and then I got to be a scrum master for a while. And then I became a multi-team, you know, became like more of a multi-team coach and, and kind of grew into the role. So um, I didn't have you know, coming out of the, the, the military, I have a mechanical engineering degree, but I mean, I hadn't used those skills for years right. and I was trying to work at software companies. Um, so the project management stuff like that transferred, but um, at the end of the day, like what my secret was, it's all about the people, right? So I was able to take um, leadership and team building skills to a technology space. Right. And, and that, so that helped me go into tech. It helped me get into agile. Um, people, um, machines take orders, right? People, people do work. Machines take orders. So you can, you can learn about technology all day long. And if that's your passion, pursue it. If you want to be a software engineer, you're going to always be learning new technology. Um, people skills, you know, we have decades and centuries of research that support a lot of the same patterns and behavior. If you can be a good, communicator, a good problem solver, a good listener, um, and, and help people identify friction points and how to get past them, right? I mean, that's what makes you a good coach of anything, but that's what makes you, I think, a, an effective, um, an effective employee and can, it's a, it's a highly sought after skill in the technology space, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always, there are always fresh, young software engineers out of college with the latest and greatest. Like we can hire those people, no problem. Plant your, plant your company's um, recruiting office next to a college university, like that, we can solve that problem. Mm -hmm. The problem we can't solve is how do we get teams to collaborate? How do we get people to communicate? How do we get leaders to think differently about work and about the way the organization is going? Um, and if you can find a way to contribute to that, whether as a scrum master or an agile coach or even a project manager, um, I, I think that's a great opportunity. Great. I love that. That's excellent advice. And um, I think it's probably reassuring because sometimes learning the technical side of things can become, I mean, it's, there's always a period of frustration, yeah. and, you know, doubt, like, am I good enough or can I do this? And just knowing that, the skills are always, you're always going to be skill building, um, but that if you can, if you can really build your, your people and communication skills, yep. 
that that will help you in any role. I think that's um, a really reassuring advice. And recognize that the right type of organization isn't going to hire Superman or Superwoman. They actually want someone that's willing to learn, right? So if you can show eagerness and ability and desire to learn and give give examples of how you've upskilled yourself, to me, that's more valuable than someone who's got this perfect set of tools. The right organization is out there for you. It's just a matter of finding the right time and the right fit. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good advice. Jason, thank you so much for being here today. This was a ton of fun. I know, I know my audience is going to get a ton of value out of this. So we just really appreciate your time being here today. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. This was a real pleasure. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, techies. I just want to take a minute to tell you about Spiffy On-Demand Car Care. With four very active kids and my husband and I both running our own businesses, we are always looking for ways to 86 items from the to-do list. That's why I love Spiffy. They come right to my house. They'll go right to your house or office too. They'll get your car in tip-top shape, whether that's an oil change, a car wash, or car detailing. I know you've got those mashed up pretzels in the minivan. And Spiffy loves our mission of helping moms get into tech. That's why they're offering your techie podcast listeners a great deal. You'll get $20 off your oil change and $30 off any car detailing or car wash services by entering the promo code techie at checkout. How awesome is that? No more going to the local oil change store while the technician wastes your time with upsells. I seriously hate that. Just go to get Spiffy dot com schedule your appointment and enter the promo code techie t-e-c-h-y at checkout hey if you enjoyed listening to this podcast you have to sign up for the you are techie email list imagine being in the tech job of your dreams join me to get the strategies training and never-ending support to get hired sign up at youartechie.com that's y-o-u A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com. I'll see you next time.